0: My name is Jasmine Kanick, and welcome to the second episode of Ring the Alarm, a special series in partnership with The Advocate magazine that is taking an exclusive look inside Jamaica, one of the world's most homophobic and transphobic countries. During this special series, I will bring to you the stories and voices of queer Jamaicans, including an inside look at a secret modern-day Underground Railroad working to save the lives of LGBTQ people in Jamaica. But before I continue, a few things. You should know that all of these interviews were conducted in Jamaica. Some were done in cars, alleys, on the street, over the phone, others in safe spaces where we could not be overheard because just the act of discussing anything LGBTQ-related can be life-threatening in Jamaica. Jamaicans speak Patois, which is a type of English Creole that arose during the slave trade so that slave owners would not understand what the slaves were saying to one another. The language has West African influences and is spoken primarily among the Jamaican diaspora. Don't be afraid to stop, rewind, slow it down, or turn the volume up if you need a better understanding of something that was said. Finally, I want to warn you that listening further may be disturbing, even traumatizing. It should be. If it isn't, I haven't done my job as a journalist. That said, if you are sensitive to rape, homophobic slurs, sexual violence, and suicide, know your limits and act accordingly. At the conclusion of each episode, I will tell you how you can get involved and help LGBTQ men and women in Jamaica from wherever you are in the world. So make sure you listen to the end. <laughs> in part two of ring the alarm i interviewed sam people call me sam sam is a 27 year old jamaican trans man living in a secret safe house i'm living in Montego Bay, Jamaica. I'm 27 years old. He came to the safe house after testing positive for HIV. It was a situation that I was in
1: back at home. I was going through some difficulty times. And I went by to do a HIV test, and I told them that I was raped, and they asked me, how, oh, and I tell them how I was being raped, and they introduced me to this safe house here. In March, in March, it was my birthday, and I invite my girlfriend to come home to stay with me there for the day because my mother, she wasn't supposed to be there at the house. She's a nurse assistant, so she worked by the hospital. So it was my birthday, and I invite over my girlfriend to come stay there. So we were in the room making out, and then after that, I think it was about 10, 10 going 11 o'clock, I hear a knock on the door. And when I hear a knock on the door, it was a guy that I know. Guys that I always, they always use us to do things. So he called me saying that, his name is Blocks, saying that someone
0: called me. The guy called me, that's the Don, the Don called me. In Jamaica, the Don or Don man is the most respected or highest ranking boss in an area. The Guardian newspaper explains that when Jamaica gained its independence from the United Kingdom in 1962, the nation's politicians inherited a country with vast chasms between the wealthy who were often descended from plantation owners and poor mostly descended from slaves. Many of the poor flocked to the growing urban ghettos, especially in Kingston, which often lacked basic sanitation and paved streets. Area leaders, or strongmen, emerged in these ghettos, becoming known as dons in the 1970s. The two major political parties, the Jamaica Labor Party and People's National Party, both financed dons to deliver votes for them in return for money and development projects. The Dons' turfs became known as garrisons because of the way they were defended, like forts with many blockaded entrances. Dons from the Jamaican Labor Party garrisons fought their rivals from People National Party garrisons, unleashing intense political violence. This violence reached a peak in the election year of 1980 when there were 889 murders. In 2022, while politicians continue to try and distance themselves from the Dons and other gangsters, Dons still have a stranglehold on many communities. So I said, today my birthday, and I'm there,
1: I'll back with my girlfriend same way. Anyway, he said, come, so i come with him. When i come with him now. He told me, he's going uh, me for and him.
0: The Don ordered Sam to have sex
1: with him, which me tell him period, which me never did a period
0: because I'm a birthday and it's a special time for me and my girlfriend. Sam pleaded with the Don, even going so far as to lie and say that he was on his menstrual cycle. So me period. Anyway, in me go off for soaking it But the Don forced Sam to have
1: oral sex anyway. Some of them say not depend on right now, which may always grant them favor for protect myself. Anything them ask me, I do, I do. I bring jokes with them, I sell weed for them, I do all kind of thing. I go extra level for protect my safety and me two civilians, them that's me two sister
0: them. Sam, like many other people who live in fear of the Dons and their gang, explains that he does whatever he is asked to do by the Don. In order to protect his family, this includes selling drugs, selling marijuana, and even having sex with the Don and the Don's gang members. Sam does these things in order to guarantee protection for himself, his mother, and two sisters.
1: Anyway, he push me aground now. Give me resist. Push me aground, Put the gun
0: on my and for sucking it. Would. Start doing for The Don pushes Sam to the ground and at gunpoint forces Sam to perform oral sex on him and Sam reluctantly does it. So we're going to pause right here so that everyone can take a moment to just breathe. Just breathe in and out. I know that was really heavy. It was heavy for you listening to it and for Sam reliving it. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that oftentimes in journalism today, it's about getting the story and getting the story first, not even necessarily right. That's never been my history as a journalist, and it won't be here on this podcast. We will stop and have mental health check-ins in the middle of the show if we need to. That said, if you or someone you know has been the victim of a sexual assault, Please call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673 for help or go to someone that you trust. After that now, I come back down and I see my girlfriend
1: down in the room naked. She's crying, sitting in rape her. late night now. So wait until in the morning, get up or we'll go to police station. Go to the police station now, figure reporting, make them know. Say. Me and my girlfriend go over there, make them know, say, they First, they ask where I come from, they tell them where I come from. They ask me, problem, why we're we here, with tell them, I get raped last night by four guys, because it was four guys. Two up there with me, and two down there with my girlfriend. And the policeman just make a big fun night, say, Actually, I go on like, yeah, I'm you're going like a man too
0: much, man. Many of the people I interviewed in Jamaica said that the police do not take crimes against queer people seriously, that they rarely take reports, make arrests, and there are almost no convictions. It's important to understand that Jamaica is a former British colony. That means England had full control over this country. Jamaica at one time was the center of the slave trade first with the Spanish, then with the British, forcibly transporting Africans to Jamaica to work on plantations of sugarcane, bananas, and other crops that created fortunes for many of their owners. It wasn't until 1962 that Jamaica became independent. However, the country still operates under many old British colonial era laws. Sexual relations between two men, are illegal in Jamaica and can bring prison sentences of up to 10 years with hard labor for those convicted under Article 76 of the Offenses Against the Person Act, also known as the Buggery Statute. Add to that, in Jamaica, the Christian church is the cornerstone of social life. Jamaica houses more bars and churches per square mile than any other place in the world. Jamaica, like with most of Black Africa, was heavily influenced by established Christian churches, particularly the Pentecostalists and Seventh-day Adventists, who condemn same-sex practices and relationships, and have also been very public about their opposition to marriage equality. Jamaica is a country where America's most conservative Christian churches have been able to thrive, where they have failed at home on the issue of LGBTQ rights. According to JFLAG, the Jamaica Forum for All Sexuals, Lesbians, and Gays, 88% of Jamaicans believe that being gay is immoral, and nearly 84% believe that being a lesbian is immoral. More than 75% of Jamaicans are opposed to repealing the buggery law, and 65% opposed amending the Charter of Fundamental Rights and Freedoms to protect the rights of members of the LGBTQ community. The policeman just laugh out the whole thing like him not take me serious instead
1: of go on in my yard. Me, me. Me and my girlfriend now we have a relationship like that where we we're parents and love with no matter what. We always go to church together and we always hang out together. Any any look of thing me campaign so um any local thing our mother we want me for do, me go over here I God we some me show mother they pray and them say me been raped and me I go through some things and everywhere me go a problem. Everywhere I go down, they beat me. Everywhere I go them they run me. So I ask her, she can't stay there for two weeks. I end up staying there for three weeks. In the end of the day, my girlfriend still go through the whole rape situation, where she don't get to her So she depressed, she's sad. So her mother keep on asking her, what the problem? Why is it that she's so sad? Till one day, she just tell her mother what happened. And when she tell her mother what happened, her mother telling her son them. And we have a fight. They fling out my things, and say, my can't stay there no more. Go on, and my friends Everyone go
0: just be a problem, be a problem. Sam has been at the safe house for seven months. Residents of the safe house can stay there until their asylum comes through, or for those not seeking asylum, while they attend school and learn a trade. Since I come here, I so, have no problem.
1: Since I come here, so I like, feel like a bird. I me, me feel free. I don't hear no gunshot. I put me in bed. No gunshot. I wake me up. Nobody. I raped me. Nobody. Tell me if I told them to pull up my pants.
0: I'm you know, me comfortable. I'm me, all right. Sam is 27 years old and illiterate. Before Sam leaves Jamaica, he wants to learn how to read. Well, the first thing, I just want to finish up school. More of kids and just live life. The trauma Sam has experienced has manifested into him having regular nightmares, bad mood swings, and at 27 years old and standing nearly six feet tall, only weighing 90 pounds due to an eating disorder. Oh my God, the was time to
1: me, get not sleep. Every time he just come, come to me. Me all dream, same man come back and rape me again. Come here, talk about me, and see it.
0: No, I gonna go drink some room. I'm going to spliff. A spliff is a marijuana cigarette. I just, then you know, I worry for myself just
1: to think a bit. Some people shame for telling them story just like the guy I'm ashamed. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not have the, like, oh, we can't talk about it. And now me can't talk about my story without crying. Because I try, me I try to just, me stay in the past. Me I try to live in the past. I oh, only bring it up. Since you guys come and bring it up, nobody knows my story. Sometimes when they want to sex with me. I mean I want to have sex with them, come here for do it in protect my siblings and I have my two local sisters. I a nineteen and one a seven-year-old. See so them not have sex with me, them go on molest my people them. Me's against the streets, say me up and down. My mother from work to home. She only talked to people. But me a people person, me in the street, me know I'm no going.
0: Sam says that he doesn't want to have sex with the Don. But feels like he has to do it in order to protect his younger sisters, ages seven and nineteen. Sam says that if he doesn't have sex with the Don, he will go and molest his sisters. The relationship between Sam and his mother is strained. They argue a lot, and Sam can't tell her why he's in the street doing what he's doing. So sometimes men are forced.
1: And cause can be frustrated and she don't know where they to do me. And I me do it. to protect them and sometimes we forced because I live in my mother's house. now. So it's like she will say you know me a big old 27-year-old plus me gay and me I live in her house and you know certain things she don't want in her place like that because she feel like you know I make me look sister them a pray my lifestyle. Alright, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Sam's mother doesn't like the fact that Sam is queer and 27 years old and still living at home and worries that Sam's lifestyle will influence his sisters. Sam says his sisters have a mind of their own, but because one of them is a lesbian, his mother blames him.
1: Yeah, you understand? So she she would do anything for protect them same way. But me we do anything as well for protect them. Sometimes if me can't have sex with them, they they out they, they they push them, they, they have oral sex with me. They push them dick in my ass. They do me some crazy things. They make me feel like when I cut up my body, they make me feel like it's the gross feeling them man.
0: Sick because Sam was raped multiple times by the Don. Sam tested positive for HIV.
1: And then then I have nobody to tell. That's the funniest thing about you know? because if say me tell my mother, my mother gonna go tell the police, and my mother tell the police, and the police ain't come for none of them, and we go in you know, a problem. I can't tell my mother nothing would happen to me. I have nobody to tell. I tell God. I don't tell my friends and because they go take it cost me. So I me, me have nobody to tell. So you see how I look? I wear 90 pound. <laughs> and we just drink and smoke every day. It make me feel numb. When I drink or when I smoke, me feel stress. I feel like I'm going to go crazy if I can't get a spliff or a cigarette. I feel like I'm going to just go crazy. Because I use them with my problems. See? Sometimes I drink them and I know myself and I may vomit and I cry. I wash off, look like
0: nothing ever happened. Hmm. Despite all that Sam has gone through, he says he still looks to the future and feels incredibly blessed to be living in the safe house.
1: Yeah, my dream for Live Jamaica, my dream for go power plane. even if you see a plane step. You know, just to travel. Go to go meet just to go start over my life. You know, meet different peoples don't you know, I might
0: be falling in love. In the next episode of Ring the Alarm, I'll talk to Reverend Nevin Powell about the history of the safe house he founded and the work that he is doing to save the lives of queer Jamaicans. I'll also speak with others in Jamaica who are quietly working to help save the lives of queer men and women. If you would like to support the Unity Fellowship Church of Jamaica Safe House, please visit ufjamaica.com. Make sure to share this podcast and to sign up for my email list at iamjasmine.com to know when new episodes drop. My name is Jasmine Kanick and this has been Ring the Alarm, a special series lifting up the voices of queer Jamaicans on the ongoing violence they face in what has been called one of the most homophobic countries in the world. I want to thank Sam, Reverend Nevin Powell, Reverend Clarence Edward, Unity Fellowship Church, and the men and women of Jamaica who spoke with me. A special thank you to you for listening and most of all for caring. If you or someone you know is considering suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Helpline can be reached at 1-800-273-8255. Contact the National Eating Disorders Association Helpline at one 800 931 Two two three seven for support, resources, and treatment options for yourself or a loved one who is struggling with an eating disorder. The Black AIDS Institute is dedicated to ending the HIV-AIDS epidemic in the Black community and is the only uniquely and unapologetically Black HIV think and do tank in America. Find them online at blackaids.org. This special podcast series is brought to you in part by The Advocate Magazine, your LGBTQ plus news source since 1967. Ring the Alarm is produced and hosted by Jasmine Kanick, and this episode featured music from reggae artist Tenor Saw hey,
1: ring the alarm. Hey,
0: whoa. and Sister Nancy. Bomb, bomb. Hey, yo. hey yo. For more information, please visit IamJasmine.com. dot com. Thank you.